Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. What happens is we become angry with God because we see the grace, the mercy, the blessing that He's given to someone else. And we think, Lord, I deserve more. And we begin to judge God's grace according to our greed. A person with a covetous heart begins to become angry with God. The Tenth Commandment, do not covet, is a difficult commandment to follow. Okay, they all are. Coveting can creep into our minds and hearts when we aren't even aware of it. As Pastor Ed points out today, the problem arises when we let that moment of jealousy take root and grow bigger and bolder than we wanted. It weaves its way into our relationships, even our relationship with God. Take back control of the coveting. The thoughts may still occur, but let God remind you of His truth instead. Now, here's Pastor Ed with the conclusion of his message entitled, The Tenth Commandment. I'm for trying to stamp out poverty. I'm for trying to reach out and lift people up out of their plight. But that will not create what some believe. Some believe that if we are all wealthy, that there will be goodwill to all men. No, that only comes when the Savior reigns in the heart. You could put a person in paradise and they could covet and not be satisfied. Uh, the rich could covet from the poor. Yeah, doesn't matter how much you have. doesn't stop you from coveting. Uh, just go back into the Old Testament. There's King Ahab. He has lands and properties. And uh, there's Naboth who has a piece of land attached to his. They're adjacent. They're connected. Small little garden. It's been in the family for generations. And Ahab offers him a good price. But Naboth said, no, this is my ancestral home. And Ahab, the king with lands and treasures, goes home sullen and angry and despondent. And puts on a tantrum. No, no, no. What you have outwardly doesn't stop you from coveting. You could have nothing. And you could have everything. It's the heart that has to be changed. Uh, Life in America. I was talking to Sister D yesterday. She was at someone's birthday party. And they were born in 1924. And she said, Pastor, do you know what the average age Lifespan was back in 1924. I said, no. She said, 54. And I looked at Sister D. I said, will you all be gone then? (laughs) At that table I was there. But today it's in the late 70s. Years ago, a woman would try some generations ago, she would try and bear 10 children so that she might be able to raise two. Infant mortality was so great. We are the wealthiest, the richest nation in the world. We have more than any other generation has had. But yet we are not satisfied. We've bought into the lie of the American dream. Back in medieval times, a woman might have one dress for her whole lifetime. Today our teenage girls have a dress. And when it goes out of style in six months from now... They get rid of it. 
We have so much more than all those previous generations, yet we want more and more and more and more. We're filling our attics. We're filling our basements. We're filling our garages, but we're never satisfied because we've created an appetite of covetousness and that is never satisfied. It's desire on fire. You see it in its relationship with others. It impacts our relationship with people. In James chapter 4, it says, and he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking to believers in that first century, those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. Are arguments and disputes and conflicts and families at the work or often become a part because of coveting? Uh, go back to the most spiritual family you can find. I mean, they're all used by God. It's found in Numbers chapter 12. There's Moses. There's Miriam, a prophetess. And there's Aaron, the high priest. Spiritual people. Listen to their conversation. Let me read to you the conversation that goes on between Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron begin to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Let me take apart this passage just for a moment. That statement by God inspired in the word, says that Moses was more humble than any man at that time, more meek. I take that to mean that Moses didn't defend himself. He left it in God's hands. But here's his sister, here's his brother, and they look for a kink in the armor, a Cushite wife. God lifts their religious arguments, and he shows us the real motive, it's covetousness. They're coveting Moses. Now, listen very carefully to the words. Miriam, Aaron, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Well, yes, Miriam, he has. Yes, Aaron, he has. God's displeased. He listens, and then he comes and talks to them. And says, I deal differently with Moses than I have with you. And Miriam is smitten with leprosy. God judges her. Covetousness causes us to be critical, causes conflict, creates controversy. It impacts our relations in the home, in the church, at business everywhere not only does it impact our relationship with others it impacts our relationship with ourselves in James again 
Do they not come from your cravings that war within you? That war within you. What happens is inside, a person begins to, when they're coveting, they say, you know, why has God blessed them like that? Hasn't blessed me like that. Why has God treated them like this? Hasn't treated me like this. And they're a walking civil war. Discontent. Disconcerted. Because a coveting spirit is inside of them. See, God is concerned that we don't get caught up in the spirit of the world, consumerism and materialism, always wanting more and more and more. What happens is it chokes the word of God inside of us. Uh, Dr. Russell Conwell gave his life to the ministry, and he was instrumental, really, in forming Temple University in Philadelphia. He would go around the world raising money, and he raised millions of dollars for that university to establish it. And in all 6,000 or so of his lectures, he would tell a story, Acres of Diamonds. It was about an African man who became discontent, who heard about others striking it rich. And so he determined to sell his farm and to look all over Africa for diamonds. He didn't find any. He died despondent and dejected. But the farm that he sold to the African there walked and he came across one of the streams on the property and he found this stone, this large stone. It looked pretty nice, so he took it and put it on the fireplace. Several weeks later, a visitor came and said, do you know what that is? That's a diamond. It was one of the largest diamonds ever found. And the property was one of the largest diamond mines in the world. Dr. Conwell would say, so often we get our eyes on something else that we miss what we have right before us, and we lose it. Some are living for that promotion, and they're missing time with their family. Uh, They're living for the acquisition of goods, and they have forgotten Jesus' words that life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And they're missing out on all the good things that God has for them. Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It impacts our relationship with others. It impacts our relationship with ourselves. It impacts our relationship with God. In James 4, 2, it says, you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because why? You ask wrongly, to spend it upon your own pleasures. What happens is suddenly we begin to lose our relationship with God, and we could begin to become angry with God. Uh, Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 20, a a story of a a property owner who goes out in the morning and looks for workers. He promises them a denarius, which was good pay. And then he goes out later on in the day and 
he finds some other workers. Another few hours later, and it's late in the day. And then what he does, he says, the people that are hired first, they're going to come up on the line last and receive their pay. And those who are hired last will come up first. So what happens is the people who are only working a few hours, he gives them a denarius. And the people way at the back of the line, they could see it. And so when he gives everyone a denarius, they become upset. The ones especially who had been working all day long. Listen to what it says in the biblical text. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. You've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious? Because I am generous. So the last will be first and the first will be last. What happens is we become angry with God because we see the grace, the mercy, the blessing that he's given to someone else. And we think, Lord, I deserve more. And we begin to judge God's grace according to our greed. A person with a covetous heart begins to become angry with God. God, why didn't you bless my family like that? God, I have abilities like that. Why can't I do that? God, I've been shortchanged by you. The Bible says... The pure in heart will see God. Covetousness darkens and cloudies the soul so that we can't see and understand who God is and what he's like. It impacts our relationship with others, with ourselves, with God. It's destructive. One of Paul's Companions. His name was Demas. He says, Demas, because he loved this world, has forsaken me. What happens is men and women who so love this world wind up forsaking God. No, no, no. We don't outwardly do it. It used to be that we would sing, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Now we don't sing that anymore. What we sing is this, I'd rather have Jesus with my silver and gold. We cloak covetousness in the garb of faith and call it belief. God still calls it covetousness. Charles Ryrie said, one can be covetous when he has little, much, or anything in between. For covetousness comes from the heart, not from the circumstances of life. We need deliverance from that spirit, the spirit of our age. The culture impacts the church. It impacts you and me. We can't live in these United States, in this Western civilization, without being impacted by it. How do we experience deliverance. Well, Hebrews 
Chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. If you unpack this passage, it tells us that there's a secret to overcoming, and that is to be content. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Oh, yeah, sure, Paul. That's easy for you to say. If, you, if I had built all the churches you built, if I wrote all the New Testament books that you wrote, Paul, if I had the experiences with God that you had going up to the very heavens and seeing God, I'd be content too. Wait a minute. Paul's writing this from a prison cell. Contentment is something that we must learn. It's something that the Spirit teaches us. In his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians, Rob Bell gives some statistics. He says, America controls nearly 20% of the world's wealth. There are around 6 billion people in the world. And there are roughly 300 million people in the U.S. That makes America less than 5% of the world's population. And this 5% owns a fifth of the world's wealth. There are one billion people today that don't have access to clean water. While the average American uses 400 to 600 liters of water a day, every seven seconds, somewhere in the world, a child under the age of five dies of hunger. 50,000 people a day die of hunger. And you know, we throw away about 14% of the food that we buy. And we're just not happy. We're not content. Over half the world lives on less than $2 a day. Half the world. It's not going to be how much we have. It's going to be how much God has of us that will make us content. God says, don't covet. It's like a virus that will create an appetite that will never be satisfied, that will lead you to discontent. Covetousness. It's something that God can deliver us from, and we learn it by being content. Remember the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what God has done. That's what we need to do. Just think about how God has blessed you and blessed your family. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your friend. Don't look at someone across the street or across the aisle. Think about what God has done for you. Count your blessings. you learn. Don't be unwise and compare yourself with others and measure your lives by others. The Bible tells us that those who do those things are unwise. Be content. And lastly, be focused. Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Even the godly minister of music in Psalm 73 tells us he almost fell. He almost slipped. He almost left God when he put his eyes on the prosperity of the wicked. And then God showed him their end. God showed him what really matters is being prepared for eternity. And the psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. Oh, that we would sing that again from the heart. This world is not our permanent dwelling. We're just passing through it. We're just here for a moment and then it's over. We're like a vapor. We're like a passing cloud in the sky. Thomas Watson said, And man may be said to be given to covetousness when he takes more pains for getting earth than for getting heaven. That's what really matters. Heaven. Eternity. Living not just for this fleeting moment that will be gone. Keep your eyes focused. There's a heaven ahead, which is eternal. Learn to be content. Don't buy into the consumerism that excites covetousness. I gotta have the newest technological gadget. And the other one's still working okay, but I want this and I want... And never, never content. Running on a treadmill like a rat in a cage, just trying to get something more and more. Exhausting ourselves with searching and looking and trying to take hold of things that will slip out of our hands and be simply gone. E. Stanley Jones tells a story of an island that was, had a volcanic eruption and the lava was flowing and the earth was quaking and the islanders were fleeing that island. But one woman turned back and it was one of the last boats to leave and she turned back, ran to her hut to get a treasured possession holding it in her hands. She ran out, but she was too late, and she was consumed by the lava. What she looked to save were some yams. That's just as foolish as you and me, trying to hold on to this world that's going to be destroyed by fire. Only what's done for Christ will last Fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Ten Commandments are truly an epic part of the Bible. 
Hollywood has forever immortalized this section of the scripture in a movie starring Charlton Heston. While we know that we can't keep these commandments in order to gain entrance into heaven, what is our relationship to them? Pastor Ed will tackle this question and many others as he teaches through this 10-part series entitled, The Ten Commandments. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845 845- 462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.